0: Hey, it's Marthea Pitts, the MSW coach, and thank you for coming back for another episode of Macro Social Work Your Way. Be sure to connect with me on social media. I'm on Instagram at the underscore MSW coach, Facebook at the MSW coach, and on LinkedIn as Marthea Pitts, the MSW coach. This is going to be a great episode. Hey, it's Marthia, the MSW coach, and I am back for another episode of my podcast, Macro Social Work Your Way. And, um, if you are new to my podcast episode, welcome, welcome, welcome. Just to briefly introduce myself, my name is Marthea Pitts. I am a three-time award-winning workforce development career counselor and macro social worker. I help social workers make the pivot from case management to macro social work roles where they are three to four times and more of their social work salaries and um, moving the needle closer to progress for the issues and populations that they are most passionate about. Um, till this day, I have held up to right at this moment, um, I have helped well over 100 social workers land macro jobs. Why? Because I wholeheartedly believe that social workers are the answers to the issues of the world. And, my, and I'm on a mission to help as many social workers as possible get into every industry, organization type and setting um to do large to work on large scale chain make change making work and initiatives so let's get into it if you are new here or this is your first time hearing me saying it i am releasing a podcast episode every day this week so we are officially on episode eight And I wanted to talk to you all um, about something that I talked about in my live workshop on Sunday. If you don't know, I offered a free workshop to the general public on three reasons why you're stuck in your case management job. And one of the things that I was talking about to the attendees was the fact that many social workers in case management roles don't understand How, like, what they, what they, the services they deliver on the front line, how that connects largely to um, macro efforts and initiatives, right? And so, as a branch off of that conversation, I began to explain why some social workers think that the organizations that they work in as case managers are macro organizations right Mm -hmm. um so i wanted to bring that conversation here onto the podcast episode to talk about the difference between social work administration and macro work more so from the aspect of what it looks like in the workforce if you want to know play-by-play definitions of the things do a Google Scholar search and do your due diligence and read the scholarly literature that is out there. Um, But I wanted to talk about it more from a workforce standpoint because that is the angle that allows me to be able to explain to people what the difference is in relationships to jobs, right? Because in the scholarly literature, you will hear a lot of academic definitions, but none in relationship to what does a job look like then for somebody in that role, which also leads to a much larger conversation that I was having with attendees about how many people think that the individuals and leadership in their uh, typical nonprofits and social service organizations are macro social workers when indeed they are social work. If they're on the admin side of social work, they are doing administrative social work. Um, And there is a very distinct difference between the scope of work and the setting and the uh, missions that you would work on if you are Uh, doing social work admin work so let's get into it so social work admin for the most part and again remember I'm giving you definite like a description from what it looks like in an actual job Right. We are not in higher ed anymore. We need to know what does it look like in relationship to a job, which then helps you be able to go out and find the jobs that you're really looking for. Um, so what social work administration looks like in relationship to a job is like what I said just a few moments ago It's those leadership roles. That you typically see in like your nonprofits and social work, um, excuse me, your social service organizations. So that would be anyone in leadership, anyone that is like a part of the executive leadership team, typically the people that are in the front office. And I was thinking about this last night and I said I wanted to talk about, because this is something that I share a lot with my um, micro to macro career accelerator participants about. Um, when I teach them how to find macro organizations that align with their interest in their like non-negotiables that they have created for themselves. I always talk about how when I am um, targeting employers, macro employers, one of my main concerns is the top concern <laughs> is how diverse leadership is, right? That is very important to me. I don't want to align myself with any organization, um, macro organization that is doing work around uh, providing equitable career pathways for youth and young adults. And if you don't know, my population is pregnant parents and youth and young adults. And my area of expertise is specifically workforce development and helping to create pathway opportunities for historically under-resourced populations and communities, right? I have had multiple jobs doing that ranging from policy to working with national political leaders on um, creating pathway opportunities in their cities and addressing collective impact issues. Um, So I say that to say like, I do not align myself with any organizations where leadership is not diverse. And that was birthed out of my time working in a nonprofit and me realizing, because before working in a nonprofit, I was working as a workforce development career counselor for over five years. And, and the leadership, executive leadership was very diverse in the organization that I worked in, very diverse. Our CEO was a Black woman. We had executive leadership um, members who were Black, right? Everyone didn't look um, one way opposite of me, right? So when I left that organization and then I went to nonprofit land, my first nonprofit ever, and I made a short stop there and realized that everyone in leadership, everyone in the front office, that's just what I'm gonna call it, everyone in the front office did not look like me. No one from uh, administrative support, on up to the CEO. Um, and also what I realized in that position was that everyone, as far as like the supervisors, even the directors who were responsible for the day-to-day like supervising of staff in the actual like, doing the service delivery looks like me so there was a clear racial equity divide like racial leadership gap that's what they call it there was a clear racial leadership gap right so much so that it led me to go and research a lot about why that was and that's when i learned the the term of racial leadership gap and how it is in a real issue in nonprofits and <laughs> social service organizations where people who have the decision-making power um, in those organizations look nothing like me. But then people who are over like case managers like us, the the service delivery people, the staff look like me, right? Um, and so it was me being in that setting and I left that job and I was like, I would never ever again in my life work for another organization where leadership is not diverse, right? Executive leadership. And so I began working towards creating strategies to ensure that I was aligning myself with the organizations that I wanted to be in, right? So I tell you all that because when you are in your organizations, like I'm giving you that example as a way of like trying to illustrate how I was able to distinguish who was executive leadership and who was basically service delivery staff, Um, because those players in that organization that setting would be considered social work administration, right? Even though my my nonprofit, the nonprofit that I worked for, we did touches of like macro work, but we weren't a macro organization. Um, But I do want to be clear, like some nonprofits, some typical nonprofits do do macro level work, right? So in that position, we had capital days um, where we would go up there and uh serve as advocates for policy changes and in different things right um and largely because i live in a capital city <laughs> so um i do want to be clear some typical nonprofits can do can do pieces of macro work but uh in order to help you all understand and distinguish the difference between social work admin and macro level work, for the most part, the typical places where social workers work is social work admin. Like, if there's a bunch of y'all, y'all social workers, it's like, or case management, a lot of case managers, be it MSW degree holders or otherwise, that is social work admin, where you all are responsible for. The delivery of services for social service programs, be it privately ran um, through like a nonprofit or ran through uh, like your your local county office or or whatever it may be, um, or state government, that's social work admin. Um, because in those positions, you, for the most part, can't change what has, is already created there. You're just responsible for the delivery of the program, the delivery of the services. You can't um, basically determine, like, who's qualified, who's not qualified, right? Because those requirements flow down, for the most part, from the state level. Um, mm-hmm. Because the federal government doesn't tell people Uh, they just give them the scope of work in federal laws and regulations and policy guidelines. But for the most part, it's all created on the state level. Um, But when it comes to so I'm saying that because I believe and this is my assumption based on what I've read in the literature and in the hundreds of social workers that I met over the years, what has happened is Social workers have seen these people in those executive leadership roles in those typical places where social workers work. And over time, they have attributed that to macro level work because those people aren't delivering case management services. So the people in the front office, the CEO, the COO, the CFO, they're not seeing clients, right? Um, you may even have someone up there in the front office who is writing grants. You may have someone up there who is managing the grants, right? Who submits all of the deliverables. When people see that, it's because they're like, "Oh, they don't do case management. They're not doing direct practice, right?" So they they are macro. I assume that's where that like connection has made, which has was made, which has led to a lot of confusion out in social work land. Now, to give an example of what macro work is, macro social work, macro work rather, right? Because macro level change making work is not only done by social workers, it's done by all professions, right? All all professions under the sun are interested in social change work, large scale. And when I say large scale, large scale, how I define it could be statewide It can be regional wide, it can be national, it can be international, right? Um, And so what those organizations typically look like is, the people in the organizations there do not deliver case management services, right? No No one in the organization delivers case management services. They are not seeing clients all day, every day. Um, And macro organizations, their scope of work focuses around creating the actual initiatives, creating the actual federal policies, um, national policies, national initiatives, um, creating these large scale movements to do whatever it is. So an example of that is if your nonprofit is receiving funding, let's say from Um, an organization outside of the governmental system because there's all kind of philanthropic organizations. The organization that is providing the funding to your nonprofit would be the macro organization. They are the one that says, hey, we have all of this money, let's say $5 million and we want to create an initiative where we get community-based providers, your nonprofits, to create programs around housing and deliver supportive services to help more people in their not more, they give a definitive number, a hundred people in their cities to get housing. So then as a macro organization, they create the actual policies, the initiatives around how this money is going to be distributed out. They also are responsible for like regulations of are, are these people, these grantees doing what they're supposed to do? Your nonprofits, your community-based organizations, are they doing what they're supposed to be doing? They also are responsible for what they call on the macro level technical assistance, training the people, the grantees, on best ways to meet the needs of the targeted population, right? So they bring in experts. They do a range of things. They bring in experts to provide specialized trainings to grantees because they're not just going to give their money and say, okay, go do what you do. That's not, that's very rare if it ever happens. And even then there's still some level of accountability, right? They hold them to certain standards and guidelines, deliverables. That's what they call it, right? So those are macro organizations. And typically it is very rare to find a social worker that works in those organizations. Hence the reason I'm on a mission to get more social workers in those spaces, right? So the philanthropic organization angle is just one example. There are a multitude of different types of macro organizations that I have pulled together over the last three years that I share inside of my micro to macro career accelerator. That is just one of them. So what I'm saying is that how you distinguish the difference between a social work administration job and a macro organization is if you are responsible for delivering the actual services directly to the people, the participants, that is social or admin work. Right? Or if you are a supervisor over a program like that, That is social work, admin work. Or if you are a director in an organization that delivers direct practice services, that is social work, admin work, right? Macro work, you don't ever touch the people that the service is intended for. Who who your key stakeholders are, are the key decision makers over and beyond that right? And that is not even the CEOs of the nonprofits. Who it is, is the people over the regulating entities over those nonprofits. So I'm just going to make something up. I don't don't know what it would be called. So like, well, I do know what it is in DV land, right? So because I have experience in DV. So in the domestic violence arena, in each state, you all have a statewide coalition, Right. So a macro organization on a federal, on a national level would be targeting the CEOs of the DV Association that's over the states. And they may even target like small regions within the states, but they're not going to be targeting the the CEOs of each individual shelter in the state. Right. Um, And so that's an example. That would be your key audience, the key decision makers, because when money is rolled out nationally, it is usually distributed to the regulatory entities. And then those entities are in charge of getting it further out to the people, right? Um, in In my last macro job, how it worked was we did not. Well, I was I was responsible for helping to co lead a 2.5 million dollar initiative where we worked directly with a select number of cities to uh, issue them out grant money. Well, initiative, yeah, money um, to create more equitable career pathways in their cities. So what that looked like was we issued the money out to the mayors, the actual city the city that we were working with. And then the city was responsible for issuing funds out to community-based organizations or whomever they decided to bring into their work, right? So I wasn't talking necessarily like my, they were part of the conversation sometimes, but even then it was the top people. So an example of what I mean by that is it would be the, the local community college workforce development director. It would be the local community college president. It it would be the the CEO of United Way who represents all of the smaller community-based organizations instead of the CEOs of each community-based organization. Right. It was the people who, the key decision makers, the people who truly had decision-making power. So I wanted to give that, and that may have been longer than I expected, and um, this is just the beginning of a conversation, but I really wanted to talk about, like, give you some examples. These, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface, to give you, give you some examples without, like, explicitly um going into full detail of what I teach inside of my accelerator of how to distinguish the difference between social work admin and macro social work. And I also say this because what I shared with the participants in the workshop on Sunday was that I've seen in the last year where very um where nonprofits social work admin organizations are posting jobs out there with the job title macro social work. And then when you read the job description, actually the duties for the position is full blown social work admin work. It's direct practice, it's having a caseload. So I say that to say like, you all need to be educating yourselves. Um, especially if your goal is to get a macro job. And I say that because I, I, I hear more, I, I talk more and more with social workers who say they have taken, um, direct practice jobs, thinking they were macro jobs, either because the employer told them, or they just thought it was the thing. And it wasn't until they were in full blown, like knee deep into the job that they realized it was just another case management job. So be careful. Do your due diligence. Until the meantime, I will be back tomorrow for another podcast episode. Um, and visit macroandpay.com and make certain that you sign up for my, my free workshop that I'm having on Sunday, August 19th, where I'll be sharing my five proven steps to land your dream macro social work job. Tell a friend to tell a friend to come to my workshop. It's on Saturday. It's on a Saturday. It's on a Saturday from 11 to 1. Um I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Bye.